Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. From the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network for movie talk, Alicia Malone with Scott Movie Mance and the Schmoes Know, this is Profile. In-depth spotlights on the greatest filmmakers and artists in motion picture history. Hello, Profilers, and here's Johnny. <laughs> Welcome to episode 28 of Profiles. Wow. wow, can you believe we've been doing this since August 12th, no. 2014? No, I can't. But has anyone been as excited as we are, as our Profiler <laughs> friends are, that we are profiling the one and only, the legend, the man himself, Jack Nicholson? I was so great when I did my Q&A on our Facebook page the other day, and I got to announce that we were talking about Jack Nicholson this week. Everyone was so excited. It just shows you the enduring power of Jack Nicholson. He is like no other actor. But when you look at the great actors of the 70s, like Al Pacino, who we just talked about, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Robert De Niro, what makes Nicholson different? Like, why is he separate from those guys? He's so charismatic and he's so unique. I mean, all those guys, I feel like, don't look like the typical Hollywood movie star. Jack definitely does doesn't at all and he has such a great grin those eyebrows and the voice and he shows that he can act he's done every different genre he's worked with incredible directors 12 oscar nominations and he's made over 60 movies 60 movies and even the more recent ones are still among his best but it's like you said i mean he he, uh, unlike those other actors he plays darker characters yeah he plays side psychotic characters really well psychotic really really well there's nothing like seeing him fly off the handle playing a psychotic character like Jack Torrance or the Joker or Five Easy Pieces when he like you know cleans off the table at the diner he plays rebels really well yeah really characters who defy authority but he even to this day like when he walks in a room and he's wearing his sunglasses he just exudes Coolness. He's so cool. He is so cool. I want to hang out with him. You do want to hang. You want to go to the Lakers with him. He's so awesome. Remember the the moment from the Oscars just a few years ago with Jennifer Lawrence, and they had this great back and forth behind the stage, and it was just the best. I remember actually at speaking of the Oscars when he came up to announce Best Picture in 2006, yeah. and everyone thought that the Oscar for Best Picture was going to go to Brokeback Mountain because Ang Lee had just won Best Director for Brokeback mm-hmm. Mountain. He opens up the envelope and he. Looks goes whoa crash and <laughs> yeah. he's wearing his glasses and i'm like that's what i remember about that oscar show was jack nicholson announcing best picture have you ever gotten to meet him uh actually i did you want to hear a funny story yeah. you want to hear a funny story okay yes. here's a funny story just a month ago my brother from from new york he was in town so we went out to dinner at uh i forget the name of the restaurant but it's in west hollywood mm-hmm. so we're sitting there we're having dinner we're catching up for about an hour and a half and the maitre d comes over and says uh, I've never had to ask this before, but uh, if you're wrapping up, uh, the, our, our next uh, guest would like this seat. <laughs> this is like in As Good As It Gets, where he's like, get out! <laughs> <laughs> Basically, but this guy was nice about it. So we're like, well, who's the guest? And he goes, it's Jack Nicholson. So we're like, okay, we're done. Let's go. So we like, we're walking out and we're like, you know what? I think this earns us the right to say hello to the man. Uh So I said, hi, Jack Nicholson. My name is Scott Mance. I'm the film critic for Access Hollywood. That's so cool. Crazy. That's awesome. I've never seen him and I've never gotten to meet him. And he's someone that I would always love to meet. He's just awesome. Don't think I didn't try to get him to call him the profiles. I know. But. You got another incredible guest. Early high five in the show. When you told me about this person, I ran next door to Maud's room and I was like guess what and she was like what What? so I can't wait for you guys to see that a little later on in the show Uh, you're not going to guess who it is now but when it happens you're going to be like of course but ultimately when it comes to the movies I feel like it's Jack's world and we just live in it Mm -hmm. there is something special about seeing a new film like I remember when we saw The Departed that was a big deal because it was the first time he had worked with Scorsese. But even going back and watching his older movies, full disclosure, I realized I never saw The Last Detail. 
Yeah. So I went back and watched it, directed by Hal Ashby, 1973. And boy, is that a good movie. Yes. And it doesn't matter whether he's in the starring role or a supporting role. He always makes it his own. And he always stands out, even when he's opposite great actors. Well, it's amazing how even when he is opposite great actors, and again, The Departed is a great example because he's got Leonardo DiCaprio, you got Martin Sheen, you got Matt Damon, but it is still Jack's movie. It is. But, you know, this is an actor who not only had a wonderful life, Mm -hmm. he had a fascinating and interesting life. Really interesting life. So let's take a look at some of his life in our video called It's a Wonderful Life. Roll it. John Joseph Jack Nicholson was born on April 22, 1937 in Neptune City, New Jersey. Nicholson broke into Hollywood by working as a gopher for legendary animators William Hanna and Joseph Barbera at MGM's Cartoon Studio. But when they offered him a job in animation, he declined, (laughs) citing his goal to become an actor. His big break came when B-movie producer Roger Corman cast him in his first film, 1958's The Cry Baby Killer. Their collaboration continued with The Little Shop of Horrors, The Raven, The Terror, and The St. Valentine's Day Massacre. After taking a stab at screenwriting with The Trip and as a co-writer on the monkey's movie Head, Nicholson landed his breakthrough performance alongside Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper in 1969's Easy Rider. His career really took off the following year with five easy pieces, followed by The Last Detail, Chinatown, and of course, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Jack Nicholson is tied with Walter Brennan and Daniel Day-Lewis as one of three actors to win three Academy Awards. He's been nominated a total of 12 times, making him the most nominated male actor in Oscar history. Wow. Incredible. 12 times. That's crazy. 12 times. And then there's Meryl Streep who's been nominated like 80 times. (laughs) I know. Incredible. (laughs) But for someone who gives such unforgettable performances... What is your first blood? Do you know? Do you remember what your first Jack Nicholson movie was? I'm sure I must have seen snippets of The Shining when I was quite young. But the first movie that I remember seeing him in was The Witches of Eastwick. Oh, the way! Okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I liked that film when I was young, and I remember him. It was what 1987, so I must have seen it much later. Cause way to I, go with the dates! Yeah, I mean, I wrote it down. <laughs> I can't remember it like you can. Uh, but when he played Daryl Van Horn, you know that millionaire, he was so fun and so crude and kind of sexy I mean he seduces those witches and I just remember thinking like who is this man? Did you see it in, in the in the cinema? No, not in the cinema, <laughs> on VHS with some friends at a sleepover. That's the first one I remember. Right. Were you The Shinings? I know you saw that really young. I saw it really young, yes. You are, you are correct. Saw that in uh, May of 1980 with my parents. I wasn't even 12 years old yet and they had the gall to take <laughs> nice. this uh, innocent little kid to see the freaking shining but i gotta tell you leash seeing that movie what do you remember about that film what do you remember about that film the most the x scene the with scene. here's johnny yeah here's johnny. that's what i remember about it too yeah which but, is a terrifying moment and it, it is an unforgettably terrifying moment which is why for years for years i couldn't see him as anything other than that character and you could never look at an axe in the same way you know even when i saw like terms of endearment which came out three years later uh, I was, I mean, you know, three years is a lot when you're that young. And he's great in that film. I mean, he's great chemistry with uh, Shirley MacLaine. But I kept thinking about The Shining. Mm. But that is why uh, The Shining stands out uh, for um, a lot of reasons. I mean, it's the scariest movie of all time. But it, it is it is a terrifying film. And, and his descent into madness is so great considering he started off that movie pretty mad to begin with. Yeah, we'll be talking more about that later on. Now, we had a great suggestion Mm -hmm. that instead of calling our five top films Fast Five, that this week we would call it Five Five Easy easy Pieces. pieces. So we're going to do that. So our five easy pieces at number five is audio. You make me want to be a better man. As, as good, good as, as it, it gets. gets, and I'm so glad you used that line. Yeah, I love that line. That's, uh, that's his redemption right what, there. What? What a great line! You make me want to be a better man. He's like talking about how he took the pill. Mm-hmm. You know, he hadn't been taking the pill because he hates pills, but he took the pill. And the look on Helen Hunt's face. Uh, this movie came out December 23rd, 1997, <laughs> directed by James Brooks. Yes. One of four movies he made with Brooks. That's right. Broadcast News, mm-hmm. uh, Terms of Endearment. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was uh, that movie, uh, How Do You Know, mm-hmm. which 
wasn't very good. Actually, that was the last movie he made uh, that Jack Nicholson made. It cost $50 million to make, made $314 million worldwide, nominated for seven Academy Awards, mm-hmm. and it won two Best Actor for Jack Nicholson and Best Actress for Helen Hunt. Which was the last time that the same movie has won those Best Actress and Actor Oscars. You know, when I read that, I was like, is this an old post because but no yeah i guess it's true it's still true yeah it still holds up and it's interesting because if you look at the film you think okay it's you know it's it's pretty light pretty like nothing exciting happens it's It's, it's very just it could be a throwaway movie but the actors is what makes this so special i mean jack's character he's homophobic (laughs) he's racist he's obsessive compulsive he's a writer he's a really horrible person but someone like jack makes him likable and you actually start to understand him completely and you see the scenes with him and the dog and it's so sweet yep. and then you have a look at Helen Hunt who is so great at just adding humanity to every character that she portrays and then you look at Greg Kinnear and this was him playing against type and same with Cuba Gooding Jr. as well they were both playing completely against type and it really worked well Helen Hunt was uh, she won the Oscar for this movie the same year she won her Emmy for lead actress in a comedy for Mad About You so she had a really good year. <laughs> and then there's Greg Kinnear, who up to that point was a was a TV personality on E! And then and, he did Sabrina, the remake, where he was the romantic lead. And then he does this. He gets nominated for Supporting Actor. But you're right. It, it, there's really not a whole lot to the movie, but it's the writing and it's definitely the performances. These three characters who are down on their luck, they're lost souls who found each other and saved each other. And just the, the irony that... that uh, Nicholson's character is such a, a narcissist, mm-hmm. but you like him anyway. Like think, when he puts the dog down the garbage. Oh sheet. my gosh! Yeah, and it does have some really great quotable lines. Like, <laughs> "What if this is as good as it gets?" Yep. Uh, I like the sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. <laughs> sell crazy some, someplace else. We're, we're all stocked, stocked up, up here. here. <laughs> There's some great moments which allow Jack Nicholson to really, you know, get into that dialogue and really wrap his teeth around it. He said it's one of the, the toughest films that he's done. One of the toughest films definitely that him and James L. Brooks did because of that character. And James Brooks said, I couldn't think of anyone else who could have played this part. I had to think of someone who could play this monster but not completely turn the audience off. Someone who could, in the end, be loved. So Jack was the only choice. And when you're watching the movie, can't think of anyone else other than Jack in that role, despite the fact that the role was originally offered to John Travolta. Yeah. So, boy, am I glad that uh, Jack Nicholson uh, came a running. And uh, actresses who turned down the role of Carol, which I believe Courtney Love, mm. very interesting, and Holly Hunter, because they have worked together on broadcast news. Interesting. I thought it was really nice. It was a really, really touch of class that when Jack Nicholson accepted the Oscar, he dedicated his Oscar to J.T. Walsh, who he had acted with in A Few Good Men, who had just passed away recently. So I thought that was really, yeah, really, really nice. sweet. That's really nice. And, you know, I mean, Jack had played these outsiders and rebels, like we were saying before, so I think that made him perfect for the role. Uh, and I really enjoyed re-watching it. Plus, I, I keep forgetting every time I see it, I go, oh, that's right, Maya Rudolph is in a... Oh, yeah. She plays the cop. Yes. I don't know if she has any lines at all, but she's there. And you, Oh, yeah, I forgot she was in it. There was another movie that we're going to talk about later where if you blink and you miss it, you miss somebody very, very famous who wasn't <laughs> famous yet. But, yeah, I brought, when, I, when we were doing our, our research, and of course, the best part of doing the research for Profiles... Watching the movies. Watching the movies and rediscovering them, especially with the perspective of hindsight you know we know a lot more about movies now than we did then and uh and watching it as a body of work like when you watch all these actors and directors films at once you really put it into perspective but this it's a really lovely romantic intimate funny bittersweet movie and uh, uh our, our profile has really liked it too cole boone our good friend cole, cole boone who's now an administrator on our facebook page profiles with malone and mance yay. yay way to go cole he go said cole. in preparation for this episode of profiles i had to do some jack nicholson homework and i watched as good as it gets for the first time ever this past week i was blown away by how much i enjoyed it it's a terrific film filled with romance comedy and drama that will ultimately put a smile on your face <laughs> nicholson's performance 
is one that stands above the rest as we see him change from a narcissist, grouchy man, into a caring, loving person who will put others' needs over his own. A truly great performance and a well-deserved Oscar victory. Hashtag Film Geek. Hashtag Profiler Profiler for for Life. I love watching the live comments that come in on YouTube. Ed Vasquez put another great line from As Good As It Gets. How do you write women so well? (laughs) I think of a man. I take away reason and accountability. Oh, Not true, but it's a great line. That's a great line. Jason Smith says, about as good as it gets, Jack Nicholson as Melvin is masterful. Add in Helen Hunt, you have a dynamic pair right up there with Hepburn and Tracy or Ryan and Hanks. Good one. His transformation is impeccable, and he delivers those amazing one-liners throughout the entire picture. Alicia Malone and Movie Mance, brackets, Scott, think white and get serious. <laughs> I love that because Nicholson is the best. Okay, full disclosure, think white and get serious is a quote from the movie. Yes. So there you go. But, you know, watching these movies and just remembering so many, so many other great Jack Nicholson performances, great Jack Nicholson movies, this was a damn hard five easy pieces list to come up with. It was. And even harder to try and pick out your right stuff. Our favorite scenes. What is yours? I, I was thinking a lot about this and one that I couldn't go past is from A Few Good Men. Is it going to be yours too? I just it, saw it written down. It's, it is mine, but I have a backup plan. Okay, cool. So you go with it. Yeah, A Few Good Men, the you can't handle the truth. Oh, so great. Which has become such an iconic line because of the way he delivers it. I mean, he's only in a few scenes in that movie. Four scenes. There you go. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> and he completely owns those scenes. I mean, he's up against Tom Cruise who we've spoken about before and Tom does such a great job against him too. He gets so angry throughout his speech speech and just the way he barks out those lines it says a lot about his character truth you can't handle the truth and it says a lot about his character it's also really intense to watch and i love how it ends with you're goddamn right i did oh it's so great it's such an iconic i remember that movie when that came out in december of 1992 Uh, i i I saw it at the universal city walk before it was a city walk it was just one theater and just being blown away by that last scene, that courtroom scene, you know, Cruz was so intimidated by him and he's just like saying, I want the truth. Yeah. It's so great. And this people still quote that line. So yes, that is definitely not just yours, not just mine, but I feel like that would be everybody's Jack Nicholson right stuff. Yep. But my backup plan does go to five easy pieces when as Bob Dupier, the, the diner scene. The diner scene. Because, you know, when you look at that character, that was his breakthrough lead performance that, you know, outside of Roger Corman movies. But that was like a sort of quintessential Jack role because he's sort of loose. He could flip on a dime and he sort of does in that scene. Mm -hmm. He's driving across, uh, you know, with the ladies and, you know, he says, you know, the chicken, I want you to hold it between your knees. And she's (laughs) like, get out. And he like throws the, and it's just a hint of the type of roles and performances that were to come for the next few Hint decades. Hint of the madness. Hint of the madness. Amazing. I mean, it's an amazing film. That was another one that I really got a lot out of watching again. And I was like, you know what? If, as a backup, because I have a feeling Leash is going to pick <laughs> A Few Good Men as her fan. As we right style. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. High five to that. So, but now, Alicia, I'm very excited because for the first time since we've been doing Profiles, One of our topics that we had named and we weren't crazy about the name fits perfectly. Yes. (laughs) The last detail. The last detail, which is a Jack Nicholson movie. It's also the name of our segment where we give a a bit of trivia. Trivia. A bit of things you might not know. Well, what? tell me something I don't know. Well, I'm sure you know this, but did you know... Tell me. ...that Jack and Marlon Brando were close friends and they were neighbors on Mulholland Drive, which people nicknamed Bad Boy Drive because those two living next door to each other apparently... Apparently, Brando used to wander into Jack's house and look through his refrigerator because he put a lock on his own refrigerator and then he might just like leave some underpants behind and he'd find them in the laundry. Anyway, that's not my point. After Brando (laughs) died, Jack bought his house and then he demolished it because he didn't want anyone to see what had happened to the house and to use that as a symbol of Brando's demise. No way. So he wanted to keep his memory alive. Isn't that nice? That is nice and I did not know that. The way to go. Thank you for that bit of trivia. No Did you know, and, and I'm sure you knew this one because it's been out there, that Jack Nicholson turned down the role. <laughs> 
That was going to be one of my Finish quiz it. show Finish questions. It. Oh, it was? Yeah. <laughs> Michael Corleone. <laughs> he from turned the it Godfather. down. Michael Corleone and the Godfather. Did you know that he also turned down the lead role in Bad Santa? Yeah, did he? Oh, can you imagine Jack Nicholson in Bad Santa? I didn't know that. That would have been good. That would have been good. Well, did you know that Jack and Danny DeVito grew up as childhood friends oh, in I didn't New know Jersey? That. They were buddies. They're, both their families owned a hair salon in Jersey so they grew up together and then of course later on they worked with each other One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Hoffa which DeVito directed oh that's right yeah Hoffa Hoffa's one of those movies that like great performance not a very good movie yeah <laughs> you know, it's like nominate me yeah. um, but did you know that Jack Nicholson's salary for Easy Rider was $392 a week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you know what? Back in 1969, that might have been a lot of money. That might have been good money. <laughs> what else? You got something else? No, that's it. Okay, I got one more for you. Okay. Did you know that Tom Cruise's imitation of Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men? Improvised. Oh, Remember that scene yeah, where yeah. he's like imitating him? And everybody in the theater laughed. That's so funny. Totally improvised. A lot of people can do a great Jack impression. Can you? No. No, I can't either. <laughs> Yeah. You can't handle the truth. A lot of people can. I cannot. You know what? That's okay. Nobody can do Jack except Jack. There's people have tried. Jack Jack, yeah. We're going to just take this moment to pause, take put care your, of some business put here. Put sail suit on. Okay. Okay. This is where the pitch comes in, ladies and gentlemen. Got my suitcase ready to show you my wares. We know that you love profiles. We know that you know that we love Profiles. In order for us to keep Profiles going, we need you to do a few things for us that are really, really, really important. First thing is go to our Facebook page, which is Profiles with Malone and Mance. Give our Facebook page a like. And by liking our Facebook page, you'll be able to join in on the fun when we ask you about your favorite movies and you chime in. We read those comments on the show, as you can see. We also like to have people join in on the brackets where they're picking their favorite characters or favorite scenes. But most of all, we you'll be the first to know who our next profile is going to be because that's where we've been, been announcing who our next profile is. So make sure you like our Facebook page, Profiles with Malone and Mance. Also, very, very <laughs> important, go to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast. It's just called Profiles. And make sure you rate and review us on iTunes. Really, really important. These ratings and, reviewings, and reviews on iTunes are really what keep us going. Very, very important. Also, make sure you follow me and Alicia on Twitter. She's at Alicia Malone. I'm at Movie Mance. At Alicia Malone. At Movie Mance. Still on the repetition. At Alicia Malone. At Movie Mance. Third time's a charm. And then there's YouTube. Oh, yeah. And then I get to do my YouTube You get to bit. do YouTube, yeah. And then you can subscribe to us, youtube.com slash popcorn talk network. And we do this show. At the moment, it's every second Tuesday, 3 p.m. PST LA time live. But soon we'll, we'll get back to doing it once a week. We just had a busy few months, but we'd love to get back to that. So subscribe there because then you can watch it live. You can join in on the chat, which I try and keep an eye on throughout the show. She's good. And also you can comment later on. And one last thing, make sure you share profiles with everyone you know and make sure you have them share too. Share our Facebook page and ask your friends to share it with their friends too. Again, it's all about sharing and getting the word out about profiles. We love Profiles. We know you do, too. So let's keep it going. <laughs> good, with... good job, Scott. Thank you very much. It gets another <laughs> high five. But you got to take a shot every time we high five, yes. by the way. Drinking game. Make sure you take a shot every time One we high five. One day we'll play along during the show. We got a lot. Oh, you yeah, know, it's a great idea. <laughs> oh, my God. Drunk Profiles. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's do it. But for now, number four on our five, five easy, easy pieces, pieces is... Wait till they get a load of me. Batman. Batman. Or... The Joker. The Joker. It should have been called The Joker because let's face it, in the in the exact words of the review from Variety back in 1989, Jack Nicholson stole every scene of Batman, released June 23rd, 1989, directed by Tim Burton, cost $48 million to make, total box office worldwide, $411 million, oh. one Oscar nomination and win for Best Art Direction, and should Jack have not, I mean, he should have been nominated for this movie. It's such a good performance because he had the tough job of having to play a comic book villain as a comic book villain, not as a grounded real guy, but had to play him as he was in the comic book and also make him haunting. And he did that. He did do that. He's got that sort of 
dark tone to him and then a little bit of a comedic tone, the smile, but he's very cruel, very jealous. Uh, he's got lots of anarchy about him. You just never know when he's going to let loose, and that's what makes him terrifying in a very different way to Heath Ledger. Oh, Heath totally. Ledger had a really tough job big shoes to fill and he of course did something brilliant with his version of the Joker but up till that point and even now pe- people might prefer Jack's Joker. Jack's the Joker was the defining Joker for a long time. Well he, I, I totally agree and it, it's amazing just to, to sort of veer all track about Heath Ledger how he was able to do something completely different and give a performance that is just as strong as Nicholson's but for different reasons. Yes and but, Jared Leto has to do it next. Oh right and Suicide Squad <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you you know Nicholson's performance is so great it's so theatrical i mean he he chews every scene but not in a bad way no he's so fun to watch his every bit of dialogue that he delivers is so so dramatic and theatrical and funny and disturbing in some ways but it it is just such a great movie and no no offense to michael keaton as a bruce wayne batman but i watch batman for jack nicholson's joker but that's why it works too is the joker and batman in this movie are so different from each other oh yeah completely different that it's so funny to see those two different types go up against each other well jack nicholson said this about his performance in batman he said the thing i liked actually i'm gonna try the thing i like about the joker is that his sense of humor (laughs) is completely tasteless (laughs) okay okay Uh, maybe not (laughs) you sound like christoph waltz (laughs) oh no now he'd be a good joker (laughs) but jack stole this movie uh and he to this day he says that the joker is one of his favorite roles and did you know was interesting he got six million dollars as an upfront salary and he got a percentage of the profits or, or the, of the box office gross. So his total payday, depending on the, on the fuzzy math, was anywhere between 60 million and 90 million dollars. Wow. For this movie. Wow. And, uh, and he also had an off the clock agreement in his contract, which stipulated, I'm only going to work this amount of hours each day. Proving, once again, that it is Jack's world and we just live in it. And that whenever there was a Lakers game at home, (laughs) he was out the door so he could make the game. That is so cool. In his contract. That's so cool. Uh, I love the makeup, obviously his smile. And that's why Jack, another reason why he's so good for this role is because he has that great smile. Yeah, he really didn't need makeup for it. So good. Even though it took him two hours every day to get the makeup applied. And Jack actually demanded approval of the makeup designer who was Nick Dudman. So again, this guy, 1989, he had power. I mean, he just was great in this movie. Definitely. Well, Chuck Wood III loves Batman, says, my all-time favorite Nicholson performance was in Batman. Nicholson's turn as the Joker was for the longest time tough to beat, and I still feel that his portrayal of the Joker will stand the test of time as one of the greatest comic book supervillains in film history. No question. Aaron Turner says, as the Joker in Batman, I know the term is overused, but it really gave the character an edge. The scene that really stands out to me is the one where he kills the guy with the feather pen. He <laughs> casually gets into the limo as Bruce Wayne follows. Bruce Wayne gets to the car. The Joker gives him an almost childlike smile and waves. And the scene is very effective in showing Batman what he was up against. Well, I love Liam Legrand is on the live chat. He says he deserves all the money in the world for his incredible films. Oh, that's true. I agree. Totally deserving. Yeah. And totally deserving now is the, the highlight of the show, the show, the part that you love the most, Alicia Malone. Quiz show. Quiz show. We test each other's knowledge on Jack. So <laughs> why don't you go first? Okay, you're going to guess this one because you kind of already said it. But anyway, okay. it's an interesting fact. So, which roles did Jack turn down? A, Michael Corleone in The Godfather. Okay. B, the title role in Nixon. C, Danny Warbucks in Annie. Or D, all of the above. I'm going to say all of the above. Okay, here's my question for you. (laughs) All right, just to show you how much we are like the same person here. Yes. Which of the following roles were not offered to and turned down by Jack (laughs) Nicholson? (laughs) What? I mean, again, I'm just taking her question and rewording it. Which of the following roles were not offered to and turned down by Jack Nicholson? The lead in Close Encounters, the Dustin Hoffman role in Kramer vs. Kramer, the Tom Cruise role in Rain Man, and the Martin Sheen role in Apocalypse Now. I can't help myself. I know. You help me every time. But I would have said anyway, Dustin Hoffman's role in Kramer vs. Kramer. That is correct. She wins. I mean, come on. This is crazy or what? I know. So funny. So funny. All right. 
Well, let's continue our five easy pieces Coming right now. At number, at number three. three is... Evelyn, put that gun away. Let the police handle this. He owns the police. Ooh, Ooh Chinatown. Chinatown. I chose that grab rather than the most famous line, which is forget it, Jack. Jake, it's, Jake, it's Chinatown. Because uh, one and one with Jack Nicholson. And, you, and also it's sort of... It, 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 I actually feel like that line is... Indicative of representing the whole movie. Yes. Thank you, you know, just uh, especially with the Noah Cross, uh, John Huston's character, released June 20th, 1974, directed by Roman Polanski. 11 Oscar nominations. Wow. Hard to believe one win. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie is so iconic. For best screenplay. For best screenplay. Robert Town. A lot of people say that it is the perfect screenplay. It's really well written. It was written with Jack in mind for mm-hmm. Jake. And it's kind of one of the last few film noirs. It could be called a neo-noir as well because it has that film noir style, but it's in color and it's modern, more modern than the older film noirs. But I love a film noir, so yeah. I love that, that feeling of the detective, the, the, the woman that you're not sure exactly what's going on with her. And, and there's something dark underneath these, these characters, these powerful, rich characters. It's such a fascinating story. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the neo-noir to describe Chinatown because even as I was watching the film, I thought, oh, it's film noir in color. Mm-hmm. But when I started doing some, some reading about it and they described it as neo-noir, I, I didn't see that. Like when I think of neo noir, I think of David Lynch, Blade Runner. Blade Runner, you know, it's a great example. But this is this is classic film noir. It just happens to be in color. Exactly. You know, if, the, if it was black and white, then it would be hundred percent film noir. And and especially even the score by Jerry Goldsmith, he was yeah. also nominated for that. It's hard to define film noir anyway because it's more it's more than just black and white. It's a feeling as well. So I say film noir. Well, I'm, I'm with you on that, and that gets a high five. <laughs> but this is a film that that yeah, the screenplay is definitely regarded as one of the all-time greats. It's a screenplay that is taught in classes along along with uh, uh, screenplays like Casablanca, All About Eve, and, ba- and even Back to the Future is regarded as one of the great screenplays now. But this is a complex, challenging, intelligent movie. You have to be on the ball while you're watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that it's convoluted. It's just... It's a challenging film. It is one that you have to stay on top of. It's also shocking when you realize what the Faye Dunaway character, Faye Dunaway character is dealing with. Mm-hmm, and she's hiding. Oh my gosh. Wow. Even just watching this movie again, yep. it is still shocking. Yeah, this was Polanski's last film in, in the America. U.S. before he fled. And his movies are often really, really dark. And it does have that, that horrific undertone to it. It also feels quite mythic in a way. It's got a, a sort of epic feel, and you never see that coming. And it's one of those films where you, you have to kind of connect the dots when you first watch it. You're yeah. like, okay, so that character is this. It just treats the audience as being intelligent. Exactly. And watching it on, on Blu-ray over the weekend, I was like, God, thank God I could just rewind yeah, it grind, if I needed to. Catch. But, you know, that you want to do that. You know, you don't get lost and be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't get it. But uh, Roger Ebert in his review back in 1974 said, this is a triumph of acting. Jack Nicholson inhabits the character of J.J. Giddies like a second skin. His possession is total and complete. Roger Ebert, 1974. Well, that's the thing is is that you have to ha- you have to have empathy for Jake. You have to want to follow him on this journey. And that's why Jack is such a good lead actor in this role i love some of the dialogue in the movie where we said forget it jake it's chinatown but also the um i goddamn near lost my nose and i like it yeah. i like breathing I through like it breathing through and it. i still think you're hiding something and it's funny that polanski made the cameo as the guy that cut his nose, cut his nose. and when you're watching that scene they had to be very very careful in shooting that scene and some people said that he actually cut he actually cut his nose because it looks Polanski, real. It looks real. I mean, how did they do that? But you know, you don't see a scar on his nose now. <laughs> but what do you think about this lead character who spends much of the film wearing a bandage on his nose? Mm. I mean, that was risky for yeah. you know, even in the early seventies when they were taking all sorts of great chances, which is why the seventies are just like my favorite era. Yeah, me too. And this was the seventies dream team right here with Polanski, with Jack, with Faye Dunaway, Robert with John. Houston, yeah, Robert Evans producing it. It's yep. got everyone you want. It's a, it's the ultimate seventies movie, <laughs> which is a shame that the nineteen ninety sequel that uh, Nicholson two directed, Jakes. Two Jakes, not very good, and because it didn't do well, uh, the plans for a third movie. So it was supposed to be a trilogy. A trilogy. The first film, 
well, you know, Chinatown dealt with with uh, with water. Mm-hmm. The second film, Two Jakes, dealt with oil, and the third movie, which is going to be called Cloverleaf, dealt with land. Mm. Three main things <laughs> that California treats better than gold. <laughs> but uh, it is it is a it is a fantastic movie, and just that last line, which was a throwaway line, is is one of the great lines in cinema history. Yes, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Just futile. It's just, yeah, you know what? It's, this is Chinatown. Forget it. Yeah. Well, Liam Logrand says, Chinatown will not only be my personal favorite Jack Nicholson film, it's in my top 10 movies of all time. With film noir being my favorite genre, it doesn't come as a surprise that I love the character of J.J. Jake Giddies. He's the only man with a moral compass in a city brimming with corruption, providing hilarious wit and a likability that makes him my favorite private eye detective. Even with a cut nose, he still looks badass. Wow, I love that. His <laughs> chemistry with my personal favorite femme fatale, Evelyn Cross, Mulray, Faye Dunaway, is exceptional. One of the most shocking endings to a film in cinema history. Who the hell looks at John Huston the same after this film? One of the great villains for the big screen. Hashtag film geek. Hashtag <laughs> profile for life. I love that. Jay Zach on the live chat says, I couldn't help think of Dark Knight during the nose scene. You want to know how I got these scars? Yeah. Right? Okay. And Mark Tordai, I love this because it says, on recommendation from Alicia, thanks. I finally saw Chinatown a couple of months ago. <laughs> I'd always heard great things because Chinatown is considered one of the most perfect screenplays ever written. Set during the California Water Wars, Chinatown brings us down a rabbit hole of corruption and murder like any good old-fashioned film noir. Jack Nicholson's performance was riveting as Jake Giddies, a man who will stop at nothing to get to the bottom of what he's hired to do, even if it means bodily harm. This is one of Jack's most complicated performances and worth his gold globe victory i agree it's actually one of his most well-rounded characters one of his most subtle and restrained characters you know people think that he won the oscar for that movie and he should have well, although wait did. he didn't who did win that year i'm not sure wait a 1974 minute. was 70... it like did gene hackman win for conversation no no convert no conversation was because uh, that know, was the same year i feel like that was the year godfather Godfather well, part God, two. Part two. Do you think it was? What? Wait, you know Pacino. Who, I think it might have been. Um, I think it might have been R. Carney for Harry and Tonto. Right. I think. I think. If someone can check us out on the live feed yes, right now, that would will. be really awesome. Who won Best Actor in 1974? Please let us know. We're dying here. We're yes. dying here. <laughs> but you know what I love about this next category? When we can't fit a movie in our Fast Five, or in this case, our Five Easy Pieces, we have another category called The Others, where we just others. get to talk about great movies and great performances. Exactly. What are some of the movies in your Others for Jack Nicholson, Alicia Malone? Well, we already talked about Five Easy Pieces. Yep. That's one of his great rebel roles. Mm-hmm. And The Last Detail, which was another rebel, a sailor, Hal Ashby. So Terms of Endearment, 1983, won, he, won him another Oscar, uh, his second Oscar. It was an older character for him, unlikable, and he had to kind of play second fiddle to Shirley MacLaine and yep. did such a great job. Well, uh, I love a movie that not a lot of people saw called The Pledge. Yeah, okay. I think I saw it. The Pledge came out in 2001. It was directed by Sean Penn. It was the second That's movie. That's right. Oh, yeah, the second time working together because he also did The Crossing Guard. I forgot guard. about this film. He plays this retired police chief who's trying to catch a child killer. And he pushes the ethical boundaries when he does so, leading to a conclusion, a last scene that is haunting and unforgettable. This is a riveting, powerful film, an overlooked Jack Nicholson gem. I'm telling you, if you have not seen The Pledge, check it out. I remember seeing it once, but now I want to watch it again. Yeah, it's a goodie. Refresh my memory. The Departed, which we spoke about already, where he Mm -hmm. plays the Boston mob boss, Frank Costello. Do you want to do your impression? Uh, uh, well, when he's doing the rat scene, yeah. he's like, and I smell like the rat. <laughs> he did that so well. He makes so, one of your eyes you know. go in. Whoa. <laughs> I'm sure that. someone will scream at that. Yeah, uh, it's a meme so. coming. Cocaine uh, donkey. But yes, the cocaine donkey is in the house. Uh, the Departed. <laughs> Listen, that movie won Best Picture, Best Director. But amazingly, amazingly, Nicholson was not nominated for that. Yeah. But you think that he was, and he should have been, but he wasn't. Mm-mm. But uh, another movie that uh, I know you love, too, about Schmidt. Mm. 
about Schmidt, directed by Alexander Payne. Yeah. Came out in 2002. He plays uh, uh, Warren Schmidt, whose wife passes away, rents a Winnebago, so it's driving around to to make amends with family, to discover himself, to find happiness. And it's it's a quintessential Alexander Payne movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like nobody makes movies like him, like The Descendants. But uh, at the la- and again, the last scene of that film, because he had like a, 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 a pen pal, like one of those adopted kids that he never got, that he had been conversing with, and you realize he touched a kid's life and he starts crying at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's, it's a great moment. It's a great moment. What else? Well, oh, that's it for me. What Do you about, want to mention another one? Just, just for honorable mention here, because if we if we let this moment go without mentioning some of the other great movies or performances, Carnal Knowledge with Art Garfunkel, directed by Mike Nichols. Never saw that one. That is Okay, that is a movie. When we do our profiles on Mike Nichols, which yeah. we really should do, yeah, we should. that's, a, that's an, uh, an underseen but beloved movie. Another movie called The Passenger came out in 1975. Another film that, you know, in the 70s is given like just one great performance after another. And then there's Pritzi's Honor with Angelica Houston. That's right. Uh, I think that was directed by John Houston. But... Great movies. Great movies. Great movies. So many that you forget about because he's done so many movies and he's had such so many memorable roles. Um, let's talk about The Brackets, which run on our Facebook page, Profiles of Milona Mertz. There's a plug. So if, if you join the Profiles page, then you can participate in these graphic... Uh, graphic Brackets. Can't speak. Brackets, because I'm, I'm just watching the clock and I know that it's not long till our special guest, and I'm getting a bit excited and a bit tongue tied. So, brackets. Brackets. This week, they fitted <laughs> the famous characters against each other. So, the semi finals got down to Randall P. McMurphy versus Jack Torrance, then Frank Costello versus uh, George Hansen from Easy Rider, and then it got down to McMurphy versus Costello. And McMurphy won. McMurphy won. McMurphy won as the favorite Jack Nicholson character. Over Jack Torrance. Over Jack Torrance. Interesting. So thank you so much to all the profilers who participated. That was really fun. You see what happens when you join our Facebook page, <laughs> Profiles with Malone and Mance. You get to join in the bracket fun. It's so fun. And just some of our, our profilers had uh, these other Jack Nicholson movies that they loved as well. Dan Skip Allen Skippy loves Terms <laughs> of Endearment. He says it's one of his favorite romantic comedies, Jack and Shirley MacLaine were perfect together. You tell these two great actors are at the top of their game in this Oscar-winning film. Jack has done it all in his career, and romantic comedy is up there on the list of great genres he's in. Kim Basada says, something's got to give. Yeah, yeah. This by no means is his best role, but I love him in Something's Got to Give, opposite Diane Keaton. A charming movie, and he gives his character great depth and humor. That's a good romantic comedy for grown-ups. Caitlin Bonds loves The Departed. Though he has been involved in so many iconic films, my favorite favorite is The Departed. His performance as Frank Costello was a truly terrifying thing to watch. The I smell a rat scene <laughs> horrified me when I first saw it, and it gives me chills to this day to see him lick the dead fly off his hand, sniff oh, Leo yeah. behind his back as if he smelled a rat. That's a great scene. Yeah. This was one of the first times I felt truly scared of an actor just based off the character they played. I will never be able to look at Jack the same. That's how I felt about The Shining. And Seb Lacey says, A few good men. I really enjoy A Few Good Men. The tension between Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise was great. Even though they're supposed to be on the same side, they have different ideas of what the Marine's role is. Both actors are good, but Nicholson's performance elevated Cruz. That end court scene is amazing as Nicholson shows how ugly and disturbed his character really is. Absolutely. Fantastic. Fantastic. Moving on to number two in our five, five easy, easy pieces, pieces is... Here's Johnny. Yes. Ah, The The Shining. Shining. The Shining, May 23rd, 1980, (laughs) directed by Stanley Kubrick, who was our third episode of Profiles. Go back and watch that one because that was a fun (laughs) one to do. Cost $19 million to make. Box office domestic, $45 million. Not nominated for any Oscars. Outrageous. But it was nominated for a couple of Razzies. (laughs) Worst actress for Shelley Duvall. Worst director for Stanley Kubrick. What? I know. We talked about this on our Stanley Kubrick episode, which you should go back and watch if you haven't seen it already but talking about it from Jack's point of view some people say that he's over the top and hammy in this role but I think that just makes him more terrifying I 
completely agree. You feel the tension bubbling the whole way through, and then when he explodes, it's huge. It's huge. And I know we've mentioned this before, but that line, here's Johnny, was improvised by Jack. He also wrote one of the scenes, the scenes where he's getting angry at his wife for interrupting his writing, because mm-hmm. he said he felt like he could understand exactly what Jack Torrance was feeling at that time. I was going to say that, too. I know, you wrote it down, I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> but this, is, this movie, it's so terrifying. It is so disturbing. It is so unforgettable. And this is an iconic performance. I, I know maybe people might might be like, wait a minute, The Shining above Chinatown? Well, this is why. I mean, Jake Giddies is a great performance, but so is Jack Torrance. Yeah, it's and- iconic in, in horror and it's iconic in pop culture. I feel like Maud, I don't think she's seen The Shining, or someone who hasn't seen The Shining, they would know where that quote was from and they would know a lot about it. Exactly. Because of his performance. Exactly. Even if you've never seen, if you've never seen Chinatown, you might not get the line, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. But if you've never seen The Shining, you still know, here's Johnny. For sure. And not because of and Johnny Carson. And the all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. Like, yeah. you know these lines well the it's what's and that's why that's why it's so fascinating that stephen king who wrote the novel that the movie was based on was not a fan of the film and opposed jack nicholson's casting because he said that you you thought you knew straight away that he was crazy like you believe that nicholson was crazy from the start the quote that he said (laughs) if you know the guy is nuts to begin with then the entire tragedy of his downfall is wasted and he he actually lobbied for somebody like christopher reeve to play the lead role because he wanted someone who could play like an everyman someone that you like like not the someone that you immediately suspect is going to become unhinged like nicholson does but (laughs) it's so great watching him jack was uh stanley kubrick's first choice for that role and there's these great videos online there's one in particular which shows jack getting ready for the act scene and he's jumping up and down and he's running on the spot (laughs) he really threw himself into it wow what he threw himself into it. Yeah. He really threw himself into it. And this movie was supposed to take 17 weeks to film. It took 51. But long before they both worked together on The Shining, Stanley Cooper actually wanted Nicholson to play the lead in his long-delayed, never-made movie about Napoleon. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he... Remember that L.A. uh, art museum exhibit? Yes, when you saw... All the books that Kubrick had collected for Napoleon, which never happened. And he had like a, like a Dewey Decimal card system laying out the plot details. Yep. And the movie All never the got research. made. Someone's got to like take a look at that and make that movie. But it's incredible. And that's why people still talk about The Shining is because Stanley Kubrick seems like a director with everything is intentional. And then there's things in The Shining that don't make sense. But Jack's oh, yeah. performance definitely makes sense. And it seems like directors love to work with Jack. I mean, Kubrick liked to work with him. Polanski wanted to look for a project. And then Jack brought him the script for Chinatown. And he's worked with every great director you can name. And and our profiles love The Shining as well. Tyler Myers says, The Shining is one of my favorite movies of all time because I love the atmosphere and the tension brought upon by Stanley Kubrick. It's a horror film that doesn't rely heavily on jump scares or gore, but rather imagery and suspense. Boy, these guys are great writers, aren't they? I know. Jack Nicholson is incredible. We have smart profilers. Yes, smart profilers. The role of Jack Torrance and his downward spiral from a stressed writer to a downright sociopath is both haunting and riveting. Truly a horror masterpiece. Casey Lee Clark says, The Shining is one of my all-time favorite films. While it is already considered a masterpiece due to Kubrick's genius directing and vision, Nicholson's performance takes it to another level. He completely transforms into Jack Torrance, and his descent into madness is haunting and believable. No one could pull off this role quite like him. Well, no one could pull off doing this episode of Profiles like Malone and Mance. I'm getting nervous. I know, I'm getting nervous too. It's almost that time. But until we get there, you know, we we are talking about the lead performances. Yes. But we've also had a bunch of supporting performances that Jack Nicholson has done. And in our segment that we are calling Easy Easy Riders, Riders. (laughs) let's talk about Easy Rider. (laughs) Yeah, because no matter how big or small the role is, like we were saying before, Jack always makes an impact. So Easy Rider, that is the role that got him attention and he almost steals the show which is hard to do when you're up against Dennis Hopper and Henry Fonda this great counter 
culture road movie and Jack just pops out of nowhere and has some of the best scenes. You just watched that movie pretty recently. Yeah, I did. Like a year ago or something? Yeah, about a year ago. I watched it again. I've seen it lots of times now and I just love it. The soundtrack is so cool. So great. And particularly the scene around the fire with Jack Nicholson. I love. Where they're all getting drunk or he's getting, they're getting him high for the first time. He's like, Nick, 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 Nick. Right? (laughs) Uh, You talked about Terms of Endearment. That was a, he won supporting actor for that. Was nominated for five Academy, won five Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Director for James Brooks and The Witches of Eastwick. I don't know if that's a supporting turn, but uh, we talked about uh, A Few Good Men. Yeah, he, as four we said, scenes. only has four scenes, but he, he could have just shown up. He could have just shown up, said his lines and gone, but he really puts his all into the film, and that's what made those moments so special. And Broadcast News. Broadcast News, yes! <laughs> broadcast News. He plays actor <laughs> Bill Vorish. He is... It's like when you're watching Broadcast News and you see Jack Nicholson as the anchor, you go... It's kind of jarring because it's Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. but he's so funny how he never smiles. Yeah, just glares. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I love that movie actually. Me too. Broadcast news is I think especially because of what we do, yeah. we could relate. I mean, not that this happens anymore, but uh, you know, uh, uh, Joan Cusack running across with the tape and putting it in at the last yeah. minute. I mean, it's just the talk about a, a movie with a lot of great dialogue. Broadcast news, nineteen eighty seven, directed by James Brooks. Definitely. And that brings us to our number one movie. In our five easy pieces, which is... Jesus, I mean, you guys do nothing but complain about how you can't stand it in this place here, and then you haven't got the guts just to walk out? I mean, what do you think you are, for Christ's sake, crazy or something? Mm-hmm. One Flew Over Flew the Cuckoo's, Cuckoo's nest. nest. Of course, it had to be One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And joining us right now... On the phone, we are so excited and honored and proud and feel very, very lucky to be joining us to talk about the 40th anniversary of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Jack Nicholson. Please welcome Oscar-winning producer Michael Douglas. You are on with Scott and Alicia. Wow, what an intro. (laughs) We are so excited to talk to you. Uh, We're just saying we have to do a profiles on you, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) But talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I just watched it again recently. Why do you think it still holds up after so long? It's it's a, a timeless movie, Alicia, about independence, about fighting the system, about individuality. And it was a great book. Uh, it's required reading in 20th century uh, American lit classes. Um, and I think it's just a, a, a timeless story about uh, being independent in society. Well, originally, your father, the great Kirk Douglas, had owned the rights for a long time, passed them on to you. You produced a movie with Saul Sense. And your father wanted to play McMurphy, and Jack Nicholson got the job. How did that happen? <laughs> well, first of all, I, my hat goes off to my father. At the height of his career, he just made a movie called Spartacus, and he went back to Broadway, and he optioned this book, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, had it made into a play and did it on Broadway. It wasn't the success that he'd hoped for, and he was going to try to transfer it from a play into a movie. He tried for a number of years and then sold the rights was trying to sell the rights. I had then read the book, loved it, and said, look, Dad, let me have a chance to run with it. And it took me about five years. And by then, you know, everybody's career changed. My father was a lot older then. And although to this day, <laughs> I think he holds this, uh, he holds this on, my, on my case, <laughs> I had to remind him that the director is the person who makes the final decision on casting. <laughs> Wow. I love that. Can you tell us when you first met Jack and what was your impression of him? Well, you have to remember, Alicia, that the earlier movies, even Easy Rider, Five Easy Pieces, Jack was seen, I wouldn't say a sensitive young man, but he was seen, a lack of, <laughs> he was seen sort of an intellect and a, and a gentle uh, soul. He was not the first person you would think of to play R.P. McMurphy, even though it turned out you know, to, to be brilliant. Um, but I'm, we were talking to the director, Hal Ashby. You uh, made it Harold and Maude. And yes. Hal was doing a picture with Jack called The Last Detail, where Jack played a career ar- a Navy officer. And he said, you got to look at this film. And we took a look at it, 
and then we realized that he was he was right for it. And Jack always wanted to do this part, even though we'd been talking maybe to Marlon Brando and to Gene Hackman, people who seemed more right at the time. Jack had expressed a passion for it, so I met him. You know, when we were when we were auditioning and talking about it, and he was a quiet, gentle man. Uh, but after seeing the uh, the last detail, we knew he was right. Wow, wow! What was it that impressed you the most? Like when you're when you're up in Salem, Oregon, filming this movie, what was it that impressed you the most about his technique? When you saw him in in action, and and how how much did he collaborate with you, with Louise Fletcher, and especially with Milos? Jack does a tremendous amount of homework, but when you come to the set, you never see it. Interesting. He has the ability to make it seem like he's just right off the cuff. But he actually spends a tremendous amount of time behind the scenes working really hard. I think the other magical thing that Jack has is being in front of the camera allows him to be more open and vulnerable than he is actually in real life. He's, he's a shy gentleman. He's a shy man. But when he's in front of the camera, it allows him an excuse to open up uh, his whole persona. And I think that's part of his real magic. He's such a, he's so great in this role and he's so explosive at several times during the movie. Do you remember a scene in particular which really blew you away? Well, um, I, I, I think that uh, the scene uh, when he makes up when they when they cut off the um, the television, yes, okay. and he's not able to watch the series, and he makes it all up in front of the guys and persuades them. I mean, that was a scene that really struck home. I also think right after the uh, the big party they have, there's a moment that's actually a silent moment where he's just standing there, and I watched him look out behind the camera at all of us there, as if none of us were there. And it was such a haunting moment about what was going to happen uh, coming up. But I've told a lot of people we would have those the group therapy scenes, and you could have a camera on Jack for 10 minutes. And maybe he was not saying anything. He was simply reacting to what was going on in the group therapy scenes. And it's a, it's a master acting class. Yes. Oh, uh, he just yeah. is, he's just right on the edge and, and right on the moment all the time. Wow. Wow. But when you were shooting on location, what, you know, you basically were shooting at a, at a mental institution. What was it, what was it like being on the set like that, like 24 seven? And how hard was it for Jack to be on a set where nobody broke character? Well, what had happened is we had two weeks, <clears throat> Scott, of uh, rehearsal before we started shooting. And the first week Jack couldn't be there because of prior commitments. The doctor who ran the hospital who also actually plays the doctor in our movie, he assigned each of the actors to different real group therapy meetings in the hospital with real patients, uh, and they were not identified as actors. So each of them went in pretending to be a patient in these group therapy sessions. And so they were really kind of inundated. Some of the actors were actually living in the uh, institution at night rather than going back to the hotel. Oh, <laughs> So when Jack arrived, he arrived like a week late, and he just, he just kind of got there, and uh, and it was tough because I remember he had a big beard because he wanted to play it with a big beard. <laughs> and we had a big fight about that or like, a big discussion. Uh, that, no, he, he didn't need I know he felt like he needed to be like a bear and have that size, but... Uh, he, we, we, he finally went along with us and went without it. But we were having lunch in the commissary uh, at a little cafeteria at the institution, and he pushed his tray away, and he walked outside, and it's like his first day. I went, oh, my God, we have a problem. What's wrong, Jack? And he said, who are these guys? <laughs> who, they, who are these guys? They don't stop. It's lunchtime. <laughs> don't they stop acting even for lunch? <laughs> You know, wow. nobody's, nobody's changing character. <laughs> and I think that was the magic of that movie. Sometimes when you go on location, you're able to create a world unto itself. And Jack, being the most well-known of our cast and, and the most experienced, is always like that. He's like a coach. And one of his other real talents is he wants everybody else to be as good as they can. Right. Because he knows that's what makes a good movie, not just... 
him starring and standing out, but the whole ensemble, I think it was a big part of what made the movie so good. Well, that's incredible. And so when your father finally got to see the movie, what did he think of Jack's performance? He was he was knocked out. He said, you know, son, if, it's, if it wasn't going to be me, then at least I'm glad it was Jack because he's great. Oh, and I'll wow. tell you that. Wow. Wow. I still don't forgive you, son. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Buffalo of the Cuckoo's Nest became the second of three movies to sweep the Academy Awards winning picture, director, screenplay, actor, and actress. How special, because this was your first producing credit after after doing some film and, and coming off the, the streets of San Francisco to, to have a movie sweep the Oscars. What was that like? Like for you, and what did Jack? Uh, what was Jack like after he won his first back Best Actor Oscar? Well, we we had nine nominations, and the first fight was to get Jack to even come to the Oscars. He had been nominated three times before and had lost. So he, we finally twisted his arm to come to the Oscars. He did not want to come, and now we have nine nominations. We lose the first four. Jack is sitting right in front of me in the theater. He turns around to me. He says, Mikey D, Mikey, I, I told you, Mikey D, this is no good. This is not going to be good. Hang, hang on. I said, hang on, Jack. Hang on. <laughs> and then we proceeded after losing the first four. We then went on to win Best Screenplay, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and, and Best Film. And uh, before I, I, I get off, Scott, I really have to acknowledge Milos Foreman, and the extraordinary job that he did as an actor, Louise Fletcher, who uh, was played Nurse Ratch and, and, and won the Oscar. But it was an, inc- an incredible night when we, we rolled them off, those, those last five. It was quite amazing. Well, amazing. this was amazing. Talking with you, Michael Douglas. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for calling in. I cannot tell you how much this means to us and to just movie fans around the world. And, and the, the, for, the 40th anniversary of Lum Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, this is really a big moment for me and Alicia to talk with you. Thank yes, you so thank much you. for calling thank in. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Alicia. Have thank a great you. Mike. You Can't too. wait to see you in Atman. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, not only does that get another high five, wait, (laughs) that gets one of the famous Alicia Malone hugs. That was so cool. That was very, very cool. Just hearing his voice. And I know people on the live chat were like, please ask him about Ant-Man. Please ask him about Ant-Man. But for me to hear Michael Douglas talk about Jack Nicholson, like that is what I geek out That's about. That's what we geek out That's about. That's what we geek out about. That's our Marvel. That's our DC. That's incredible. And besides, who'll be How back. nice was he? Well, he could not have been nice. That's a class like, act Every time he said, my name or your name, we're like, <laughs> that's me. That's me. That's for our show. Oh, my gosh. He called in. He called in Michael right on time. Douglas. As we were talking about our number number one movie huh. on our five easy pieces uh, like Mr. Douglas I'm, said I'm shaking yeah I'm that was great shaking, that was, I was so, so cool. excited high five. and off. so nervous <laughs> <laughs> nine nominations five wins based on the book by Ken Kesey uh, shot on location Salem, Oregon and I feel like more than five easy pieces and definitely more than Chinatown this is the quintessential Jack Nicholson role crazy manic a tour de force in every sense of the word fully deserving of his first best actor win yeah, he is definitely a rebel. He's a character that you want to follow. He's not a completely good guy, but he definitely plays him so well. Uh, I love the bursts, the outbursts, like we said before. And it's such a sad character, too. I mean, Nurse Ratchet. Oh, she is one evil. of the most terrifying villains in cinema history. Yeah, she's, she's pulling the so strings. so evil, and, and she looks so lovely from the outset, and then you don't believe what she can do. The way he interacts with everyone, especially Chief, it's so sweet. It's, it's one of the greatest American films of all times, and it only cost $4.4 million to make. Very, very good. Very made, low budget. To make more than $110 million worldwide. And up until, you know, the sci-fi movies like Star Wars and uh, Close Encounters, it was one of the highest grossing movies of all time. Yep. And I love that. I love that twist with the Chief. Yeah, I love that scene. Me too. When he takes the gum. Yeah. That is so great! It's so, it's so beautiful. And this is, as you said, it's like a culmination of everything that Jack had done. And every, all his characters, like, rolled into one. It's perfect. Perfect for him and so deserving of all those Oscars. Absolutely. It's a timeless film. And Billy Pollahan says, One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest is one of my favorite films of all time. 
holy moly, we spoke to Michael Douglas. <laughs> uh, the way it handles mental illness, uh, where it is not insulting, really hits home for me because I have a cousin who has a severe mental illness. Jack Nicholson in the role of Randall McMurphy is the kind of guy you initially think is a scumbag, but in time you realize that he appreciates his new friends in this crazy surrounding, particularly the chief. Louise Fletcher as Nurse Ratchet is one of the most chilling and calculating performances in film, and a perfectly contrast McMurphy's carefree uh, to live life to the fullest. Jack Nicholson in that movie proved to me that he is more than just a great actor. He really is one of the best actors to ever walk the face of the earth. Once again, hashtag film geek. Once again, hashtag profiler <laughs> for life. I love how people started doing that. I That's great. <laughs> Wolf status Ricardo Vegas on the live chat says, no more high fives. I'm drunk already. Lol. And Joshua <laughs> Price says, as nice as Ant-Man is, it's so great to hear him talk about such a classic film. I agree. Yep. And Rachel Cushing is also on the live chat. She always gives great comics. Oh, she says, looking back on his filmography, there's some interesting irony in the fact that Jack Nicholson's performance as Randall Whitmurphy, arguably the best performance of his career, is one of the least over-the-top and crazy performance he's given. That's so true. True. McMurphy is the viewer's entry point into a world we're all guilty of making assumptions about, a mental institution. Both he and the audience experience all of the horror, humour, and even some moments of joy that transpire in the transpire in the ward, and it is mesmerising to watch. Michael Douglas. Nicholson displays such a range of emotion that is spellbinding and sometimes heartbreaking to watch. It is cathartic experience in the best way possible, Man- mainly thanks to such a layered and truly human performance by the great Nicholson. Sorry for screwing that up. Well, I mean, can you excited. blame us? We're kind of excited here. We had Oscar winner Michael Douglas call into Profiles, called us by name, talked about <laughs> one of the greatest movies and one of the greatest and actors of all time. him saying. Hell to the yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah. Hell to the yeah, we will. That seed has been planted, my friend. But <laughs> now, back counting back our five to easy recap. pieces to recap number five as good, good as, as it gets. gets number four batman, batman. number three chinatown. chinatown number two the shining, shining. and number one one, one flew, flew over, over the, the cuckoo's, cuckoo's nest. nest i closed my book once again please make sure you go to our facebook page profiles with malone and mance like it share it make sure you subscribe to our podcast on itunes rate and review us tweet us at alicia malone at movie mance at Alicia Malone, <laughs> at Movie Mance, at Alicia Malone, at Movie Mance, and there's make sure afterwards. you share, 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 and then there's the YouTube thing, which I always forget. <laughs> YouTube.com slash Popcorn Talk Network. I don't know. I just like... Subscribe. <laughs> subscribe, and then make sure, okay, if you thought this was cool, if you thought this was cool, our next profiles is unprecedented. Because we are sitting down with the person we are profiling and how that all came about is part of the story. We will share that for you That's next time. That's what makes time. it special. Yeah. That's what makes it special. But we will announce who our profile is on our Facebook page. So like it. And until next time, bye. <laughs> From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 